Africans from home and abroad. Today, I'm catching up with the homie Osui Omorogi. He's a certified real estate agent and a trained accountant with an MBA from Queens. He also works as a product manager. Osui comes from a family of real estate investors, so you can see it runs in the blood. And that's why he's here today. My goal on this episode is to debunk what it really takes to buy a property in Ontario and Canada. So I went and asked a bunch of people what their challenges were, and I also asked Osui what he typically hears. What I like about his approach is that he breaks it down in a really down-to-earth way, always seems to find the right analogy, and he's completely solution-oriented, meaning if you're about it, he'll find a way. We start on how he was introduced to real estate investment, then we jump right into what to look for in the key players. That's a realtor and a mortgage broker. We get into what the government incentives look like and how to stretch your money after making that investment. We end on affordability and why you just might be richer than you think. And no, this is not a Scotiabank app. Even if you bought a home, there's something here for you. The gem of this episode is how Asui teaches you to think about real estate investment. I think I said it the things you say to me don't hold me for walk, yo. That you would ride with me to do is for love, oh, oh, oh for love, oh, oh, for love. She no want my money, she don't want nobody, she just want loyalty, she want my loyalty, she don't want my money, she don't want nobody, she just want loyalty. Hey, I have a sweet Omar baby with me. Very good close friend. It's been a few years now, right? Yep, yeah, it's been all of you days. All of you days. Yeah, second year. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, I wanted to discuss real estate with you. Now, we've had countless conversations in the past. Um, I've even been to some of your information sessions as well on more real estate. Um, but that being said, I'm going to pretend like I know nothing about the process which unfortunately shouldn't be that hard for me. But my goal today is really to like demystify what it takes to purchase um, real estate in the GTA or even Ontario if you want to yeah. go that far, right? Um, and I plan to do that by focusing on some of the more popular roadblocks or challenges that come up. But the first thing we're going to do is just break down what that landscape looks like first. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, before we get into that though, um, I'm introducing this new segment called Fresh Takes. And my idea is just like, it, it's a fun icebreaker and I'm hoping it gives the listeners some idea about you and maybe your interests. It's really, really simple. I'm just going to mention two things and you just have to pick one. If you if you feel like you need to explain, feel free. But okay. That's okay. all it is. Okay, right? let's go then. I don't know how many questions, but so it's a lightning round. So, you know, just go for it. Okay. So I'm about to start. Dinner with Jay-Z or 50 million? 50 million, easy. <laughs> um, Raptors or Maple Raps, any day. Kanye or Elon Musk? Uh, Elon. Okay, interesting. Akara or Moimoy? Ooh, that's a hard one now. Akara or Moi. Ooh, I'll say Moimoy. Moimoy. Oakville or Richmond Hill? Ah, Richmond Hill. Interesting. Dave Chappelle or Eddie Murphy? Oh, that's tough, man. That's tough. Those are really two of my favorite comedians right there. Ah, Dave Chappelle. Yeah. Dave Chappelle, more recent stuff, more more of his true stand-up comedian. Okay, fair enough. Um, Pandemium or Eva? Pandemium. Good boy. <laughs> podcast or audiobook? Uh, I think podcast. More interactive. Podcast. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I actually thought you'd go the other way. Nah. Um, Apple or Microsoft? Uh, let's go with uh, Apple. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I thought you were going to say Microsoft. Oh man, I thought I was going to say Microsoft too. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know you hate the Apple fanboys. Um, okay, and the last one is uh, the Gardner or the 401. Yeah, the shitty 401. <laughs> Takes me to more places. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> and I think it's like less, more, more lanes. Yeah, more lanes. The Gardner is like, you know, one, when one is down, you're done. Yeah, done, man. Okay, that's awesome. That's the that's the lightning round. It's fresh days. How do you feel? It feels really good. But I think I think even more amazing is I don't know if you guys obviously you've not seen size office, but it's it makes you feel like you know you're in the presence of magnificence with the, <laughs> with the hats and amazing setup here with oh, the beautiful yeah. couch. 
Just it makes me want to step up my own game, you know. I'm dead. I'm only from home office, but this is Big awesome. Big shout out to man. my girl. I, I can't take any credit at all. Like Ruben the revamp, but she literally forced my hand into it. So yeah, um, I'll, I'll I'll give her full credit for that. Time to time, so I'm gonna trip you up. So what? I said from time to time, you I'm gonna, gonna, I'm gonna try and trick at you. So, so stay on your food, man. That should keep it interesting. Yeah, like, I, I like that a little bit. And, yeah. But now that you said that, I'm gonna try and catch you up. So yeah, let's so, do this, just man. Stay ready. Let's keep it interesting. Stay ready. All right. So you know, like we've talked about this in the past, right? And you know, I, I know you work as a real estate agent, and you know, you and your family have been really involved in this for a while now, right? Yeah. And. Uh, I wanted to really just get into that today and kind of explore the idea of, or the reason why it's important to to jump in, right? And we've had multiple conversations in it, so I wanna I wanna get your perspective. Why is it important to buy now, or maybe as soon as possible? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Before I answer your question, just like first up for everyone to just to give like a very very quick background. So, um, you know, I want to just say I don't know everything about real estate, but um, it's something that I've been very interested in for a long time. Um, I'm a realtor, licensed in Ontario. Uh, my mom also is a realtor. Um, we've all invested in my family in different real estate properties. And um, my, I mean, I think it's it's very interesting, very interesting um, business. And it's not as simplistic as any answer I'll give. Like it's complex, it's individual, depends on your risk tolerance. So everything I say, do take it with a, with, you know, a grain of salt. Um, nothing here is perfect, and each in, each individual is 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 different, right? I think, I think yeah. And the goal is to help you, you know, at least help people understand how to think about it. Yeah. Not necessarily give you any of the answers. Exactly. Exactly. And so for me, like, why buy now? Um, it's such a loaded question to because it's such a crazy time now, and it's scary because the prices of real estate in in the GTA area. As caricatured more than anyone would have ever thought, uh, but yeah. if you go back to ten years ago or even twenty years ago, it's almost like man, I wish I bought then. I wish I bought then. I wish I bought then. And there's this like there's this side reason signs of it. There's this there's this proverb that goes that like the best time to plant a tree was yesterday, and I think it's the same for real estate too, right? Because you really want to enjoy that compound interest. And the thing that makes this interesting is generally with time, um, the property will appreciate. With time, you as an owner or landlord, um, an investor, they also learn. So, um, and, and then with time too, obviously, you'll be able to capture the property at a, at, at a better price, hopefully, than what it is in the future. But in saying that too, right, it's also important that you do your homework before you buy. But I, I think the best time is now just because there are a lot of examples where people have waited and they've lost considerable amount of money or they've waited and they've been pushed out of the market. So if you have the capacity to buy now, um, my advice will always be get into it right now. You know, essentially, people are always going to have to live in a house, either they buy it Either they rent it, um, they may stay in there free, but you have to live somewhere, either in a house or under the bridge. You know, trust, trust is <laughs> yours. So, so, yeah, you know, so let's, it's important. let's stay away from under the bridge. Though. Yeah. Um, I mean, so if you're looking to purchase a property right now, you fall into one of the few categories of buyers. Yeah. Can you break down these categories, at least from your perspective, you know, um, so people understand what you know, where do we fall? Yeah. So in like, in like the real estate market, there are different players, right? And you have to know what player you are. So you can be a first-time home buyer. So the name is is evident, right? You're, you're your first time buying a house and you're trying to lend your ropes around um, getting a property. Um, you can be someone who's um, upsizing or downsizing. So, you know, you your family is growing, you currently have a home, you, you sell that home and you move to a bigger one. Or on the flip side, you are empty nester where your kids have left the place and you want to move down to a smaller property. Or you're an investor, um, which is the last category, where um, as an investor, you want to 
uh, purchase a property so that the property becomes a true asset and you can either you know rent it out you know airbnb long-term rentals there are so much strategies in that as well but really you're either the first home buyer you're an upsizer and downsizer or you're a um a, an investor so those would be the broad categories i would group them as Interesting. Yeah. Um, who do you find? I guess has the big typically has the biggest chance. I guess it would be the first time home buyer. Right? First time home buyer. Yeah. No, you did not say anything for one and two. What I say is almost like it's it's like if you're not in the game to raise the money to play this game is tough, right? right. So you know, think of a poker game, right? Before you enter, it's like you need to put down some amount of money to play. It depends on the stakes you're playing. To to right. play the game right once you get into the game you can win you know typically again in real estate the property prices are going up every year so once you're in the game you can always pull out your funds and and buy a new place because you always have money but your first time you're trying to buy admission into this real estate i don't call the game into this real estate um community right and in order to get there the price can be high right especially in a place like toronto we're looking at you know, you can you can easily 100k will be the price to to get into the market. Right? Yeah. For me, the two your two important people will be your mortgage broker and your realtor. Now, what roles do they play? The mortgage broker helps you determine uh, what price you can afford because there are different tests that they run to make right. sure that based on your income, you can afford a property that suits you. Right. So that's the most important. That's if your first point of contact really is a mortgage broker. I would say. Hey, was like congrats. You know, you qualify for seven hundred thousand dollars. That's that's the amount the bank is is willing to to um borrow, borrow to you, right? Right. And then the realtor is the person who you meet, who then begins to search for a house for you. Right. So then once you have a price in mind, then the realtor can say, okay, based on your price range, I can look for houses for you in that range. Now, because your mortgage broker says you qualify for seven hundred grand doesn't mean you necessarily have to go for a house at 700. You can say, I want to stick with five to $600,000, for mm-hmm. instance. And the, um, the, the realtor would then look for properties. You know, they, we do different things for like, we make sure the neighborhood is right, make sure you're meeting your true needs to get a home that meets your actual, your right. actual budget. Uh, yeah. Um, now, obviously, a real estate agent, but I'm just curious. Are there any signs of like what we should watch out for if you're dealing with like real estate agents? Because like sometimes they're just trying to get your cut, right? Like I've definitely dealt with some real estate. Agents. I guess maybe on the other side, not in terms of purchasing, so they may be a little bit more committed in that capacity. But I definitely met some that just you know, just trying to get. They don't care about what your budget is or how much you can. As long as they can get it or get you to sign it then you're out of the problem. They've gotten their cut and they're okay with it. Yeah. So how do you, like, is it different as a buyer? Do they have a different incentive in, you know, baked into the, into the purchase of the house that kind of absorbs that or reduces the risk of that? I mean, it's a tough one, right? So um, it, it's a profession that is based on 100% commissions, right? So for each realtor, they're looking to make 100%, they're looking to make the sale. Right. Um, so some of them have less integrity or no integrity at all than other ones. And not to bash any realtors, you can you know one based on how that person responds to you. So if someone is very slow in, in responding to you, if someone's pushing you to to sign a contract, 
rather than allow you to, allowing you to sort of like explore and express yourself with what you want right. then you know you know this person just wants to is more interested in just the contract than my actual needs right um and definitely using referrals helps as well so making sure that yeah um, if a friend has used someone before, you can ask them, how was your experience with that person? And that'll be one of your best bets too, right? It's, it's like if you want to invest your money in a, with a stockbroker, you wouldn't just go out and pick any stockbroker, right? You want to make sure you have someone that has a good record. Right. Um, and it becomes a judgment call, honestly, right. because you, know, you also have to examine as a customer, who are you? Are you someone that's very nitpicky? Because you got to also remember that the realtors, 100% of their sales based on on them selling to you, on, the, on their prices, business them selling to you. So if you spend six months to look for a house, they can't give you the attention for six months because that means six months of them not having any sale. Right. So um, it's a very tough balance from both sides. Because mm. as yeah, a customer, how do, you, how do you do with that? Like, how do you, like, if, let's say if you have a client that, like, you know, maybe you expected maybe two months, three months, yeah. and it's like you're going in the fifth month or whatever, and it might go longer. You know, and let's say, you know, you want to do a good job, you want to help them for real. How do you manage that? Like, how do you step back if, let's say, like, hey, look, I have a lot of commitments here? Because I'm sure you're already juggling a few every time, at any point, given point in time, right? That's what makes you professional, right? That's what makes you make a judgment call to say, how ready is this person? Right. If the person is not... In, you know, as a realtor, you, you're working with multiple clients. Right. So if one client is not ready, you try to just put that client sort of at the backbone and to say, this person is not ready right now. I'll give them time to think mm-hmm. while I focus on the person who's actually ready right now. And then that way you can balance those two. Because if you focus on that person, that person may feel they're being pressured. Um and 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 to your point think that you don't care for them mm-hmm. so it's a balance of hey man i'm checking up on you are you are you ready or you know here so it's, like, it's, it's all about communication it's all about communication yeah communication. interesting um yeah because i'm always curious about that right because i feel like i'll be the one <laughs> i feel like i'll be the client i'll be like oh, i don't know but i mean you know yeah. i changed my mind a few times so it's just like how do you deal with that or you know is that something you deal with a lot um Okay, so I think I understand, like, okay, you know, mortgage broker, real estate investor, you know, be careful how you pick your real estate investor. Yeah. Your mortgage broker should be a little bit more straightforward because they're just running the numbers, right? Not necessarily because everybody, I think the one thing this has taught me to was everybody's selling you a product. Mm-hmm. So if you go to a mortgage broker that's not independent, say, for example, you go to a bank, a financial institution, and you look for a mortgage broker there, they're only going to sell you that bank's product. Right. If you go to an independent fund, um, independent broker, mortgage broker, they're going to sell you products from that's what from not necessarily. So even within the financial, even within the mortgage brokers that there too, some of them are, some of them get their commission based on their their incentives to sell certain certain financial services products, right? right. And so they'll tend to. If I'm getting 7% or X percent from a certain financial service and those terms are, are favorable to that mortgage broker, they may try to push that. Hmm. So to get true independence, you may have to you know, pay the mortgage broker a fee and that'll give you true independence. But if that's not something you're willing to do, you may go ahead with um, picking a mortgage broker that um, allows you to... that that's, that's as independent as you think they are and then that way they can give you a bunch of options to say right. here are what you get from a bank because um, they're different kind of lenders too right? right so you have like you know your your bank lending which is like the the most prestigious lenders you have other lenders who are like a B lenders um, who are maybe like a credit union or a private company and those ones will charge you a higher interest rates right. so the mortgage broker will be able to tell you what you best call if what what your chances are of getting each of those products because they know the criteria to get those products, right? right? So that's what they help you at. Like they help you package your application to make you successful too and assess you as an individual to, as to um, what products best suits you mm. and your affordability. Mm. Okay, that's, that's actually a good question. I didn't mm. realize that. I didn't realize that. It wasn't, I mean, it makes sense because it's just yeah. like a financial advisor. Like, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, you, you, the regular person, I think, does, that doesn't come to your mind. No. Okay.
right? I think we all understand that. Yeah. Um, but I want you to discuss some of the advantages of purchasing real estate um, compared to some of the other, you know, popular investments that we see today. And I'm not saying that you think it's better, you, but if you if you can see, like, you know, because I know you're active in both anyway. Yeah. Um, I don't know about about crypto, but I know like everything else. You're, you're pretty fair game. So just compare like to stocks, cryptos, maybe even NFTs if you're into that. You know, and I mean, obviously, cryptos and NFTs are, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Notoriously yeah. inconsistent, right? They've been going up and down the past couple of years, even the past year. So let me maybe we should focus on stocks and just think because they're a little bit more stable. And yeah, yeah. So even if even if I was to break it down into, you know, full disclosure, I'm biased towards real estate, right? So <laughs> I'm biased towards real estate. So just saying that upfront, right? I'm not gonna lie about that. Um, but why? And, and and that's why I'm gonna explain that right now, right? So, um, if you look at real estate versus other investments, right? To me, the first piece is which of them does the government encourage you to get, right? The government actively encourages to get real estate over other assets. And you may say, oh, why? Why is that? That's because, like, your mortgage rates, right, they're, look at right now, they're the lowest points they've been. The government is something where there's so much um, protection the government offers you for, offers even the system for a for a real estate investment, right? You have the banks, you have CMHC. It's heavily regulated by the government. Uh, the government makes promises every year to say we want to make sure that young Canadians or um, we provide incentives for first-time home buyers to buy a home. So the government, first of all, is on your side of this investment, unlike other investments where the government doesn't support you, right? And that's the first piece. Second piece is leverage. You know, um, unlike if you're paying buying stocks, and let's say you had hundred thousand dollars, for instance, right? And if you're buying stocks, your hundred thousand dollars will buy you one hundred thousand dollars worth of stocks. With real estate, your hundred thousand dollars can potentially buy you, um, you know, it can buy you. Uh, more because you it could be five percent of the hundred thousand dollars, right? So I didn't even know what factor that is. You can borrow against yeah. Regardless of that, let's say you're a first time home buyer Mm -hmm. and you have hundred thousand dollars, you know you're gonna buy a property that's more than hundred thousand dollars. Oh, it's okay. You're gonna buy property. You can you can buy the maximum you can buy is the maximum you qualify for, which is based on your income. So you can then go and invest in something that's up to that amount, right? Which can be less, for example, let's say that is $10 million, right? So, no, sorry, $1 million or even $500,000 mm-hmm. because you have 20, 25%. So you can go with your $100,000, you can then buy a $500,000 property. Mm-hmm. Like that already is a game changer. So even if the property goes up by 3%, it's not going up. The 3% is not on your $100,000. That 3% is on the Five hundred thousand dollars. Whereas for stocks, money goes up. Even if it goes up, goes up by seven percent or ten percent. That ten percent growth is only on the hundred thousand dollars. So that's the first piece. That's the second piece, rather, um, is the ability to leverage. Because that's to me, that's huge. It's like having a big brother push for you. Um, <laughs> then, when it comes to things like control. With real estate, you can you you are more in the driver's seat of this of this investment. People are afraid that real estate is riskier, but really, when you think about it, it is actually more. You actually it's actually less risk, I think, than than the stock because real estate you know more factors. You have access to more information. If you invest in a lot of other investments. You don't know who the management is. You may know because if they're most of them are public, so you probably will know. But you don't know a lot of their motiva- motivation. Is what they tell you. Is all the ones you can read. There's really information information asymmetry there because they know more than you know. I am buying in, uh, so you have to wait for the quarter reports or the yearly reports for you to for you to learn about what you've invested. In real estate, you are the management group. So that could be a disadvantage and an advantage and disadvantage in that maybe you're not someone that likes managing, 
But if you're someone that, that wants to have a pulse on, on their investment, then this allows you to control more because you, you can determine what neighborhood you want to get your house in. You can determine what rental you want to have. You can determine um, the price of rent, not really, but that's more of the market. Right. But you can, you can make some adjustment to what we call forced appreciation. So you can say, you know what, I'm going to change my kitchen I'm gonna change my uh, my bathrooms. If I make those two changes, I can increase my rent by X amount. You have control of that. You can decide to add a new room. You can whatever. You can decide to, to you can decide to like hell destroy the house and rebuild a new house there that's bigger, that's nicer. So you just have so much more moves to play as a um, with real estate than you do with other investments because they sort of there are more rules that sort of like trap you. Lastly, to be taxes. Real estate is one of the few investments that provides you, again, because the government has supported this, they also provide you tax advantage. So think of it this way. Especially if you're a landlord, not a first-time home buyer or just a homeowner, a landlord, you're actively helping the government, right, to provide housing. So the government is going to give you tax breaks for that. And the tax breaks come in the form of, you know, the expenses so whenever you spend money on that house, you can you can use it as a tax deductible. Whereas if you invested in other investments, you don't get tax deductibles for the amount because you are not providing anything that the government can already do. It's more of a let's call it a selfish investment. Whereas with real estate, the government is saying, well, Mr. Sai is a generous guy. He's helping someone someone You're find contributing to the community. Contributing to the community. So they're giving you some sort of tax breaks there, and um, and 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 that's another one. So in terms of like just taxes, you have ability to write off. And I think another one to me, I'm, I keep going. This is so much. Yeah. Um, what are the? Uh, if you're talking like the long term benefits, like you know, like growth. Yeah. Yeah. Like growth so you you have things like, I mean, I I don't want to use just growth because growth growth is something that. Like, like other investment, like stocks and NFTs or cryptos and real estate, that's the one thing where in real estate, your growth that's caused by markets is called your equity. That's the one aspect of the equation you don't control because it depends on the market. Like no one controlled Toronto being this expensive it is today. No one person could actually control that. Likewise, no one can control the price of the stocks, right? That's done by just pure market forces and you know a bunch of things going to that macroeconomics and microeconomics factors, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so if your investment does go up, that would work on leverage because whatever your equity value is, is based on the amount of money that you're leveraging. Whereas when, when other um, assets go up, it's only based on your initial amount so whatever you put to to start that's what your growth is so right. that's kind of like the difference is that yeah okay um, I think that yeah, I mean it doesn't sound like you're biased but that was really effective <laughs> yeah I mean you're gonna have to play that back if you're listening to, to, to yeah. and you can make the argument for stocks in, in that like yeah they're a bit safer right um, yeah. you can, you can so say that a lower barrier of entry or whatever yeah like, much lower can but the, just the, the second thing you said that you know, you're putting a hundred thousand down. You can basically leverage five hundred or yeah. a million, yeah. and the increase is based on that value. Yep. Plus your initial. Plus your initial investments. That's means like that's it. <laughs> yeah, and, and one thing I I, mean, I didn't I forgot to mention too was unlike other investments, real estate is one of the only ones that allows you to pull out your initial fund. So this concept of refinancing. Mm-hmm. So based on the equity, like say for example, you had a stock, like. You bought stocks 10 years ago, Microsoft stocks or Apple's, no, Amazon stocks. Those are good ones. And now Amazon stocks have, they've grown so much. It's amazing. They've grown better than even the markets. The only way you can get your money out is if you sell the stocks. But real estate, you can get your money out by simply refinancing. And that gives you back your money. So, I mean, maybe you have to read up on that or understand that more. But... It's one of the only investments that allows you to pull money out without actually selling the money, without actually selling the, the investment. So to me, too, that's fantastic because you can take back your $100,000 and you can go buy a new property. 
then you can wait again, take out your initial funds, and go buy another property as long as you're managing as well. But you, you can't do that with anything else. Like, like it's like magic. <laughs> terrain, we talked about the key players, we talked about the advantages of getting into um, real estate. So it's only right that we talk about the fears. Yeah. Right? Um, and I feel like, you know, a lot of the fears, I, I think you would understand them as misconceptions, just, I think, just because of your experience. Yeah. So um, why do you think some people are afraid? Like, what's the more, more, most popular reason you hear, you know, for people saying, hey, I'm not, I'm not ready to jump in just yet? Well, I call it I, I, I call it perceived barriers, right? I mean not constraints, they're perceived. Right? And and that's because that's because it's it's it, it's our mindset, right? right? Um you know, growing up, real estate first thing is like man, it's like a it, it, we put so much emotional pressure into it. It's like it's like I mean this is an adult thing to do, is to buy property. Yeah. Um so with that in mind, I think we have added pressure to one buy your um, your dream home as your first house you don't think of the same thing when you're buying stocks you just say which one is going to make me the most money right and so you can it's a more um, it's a less emotional investment than real estate because you're living in it right Um, so that's like the first one sometimes it's just that fear Um, another one could be just in your mind you think you know, I, I really can't afford this, right? And, and that may be true, but if you really step back and say, okay, why can't I afford it? Is it because I'm I'm only looking for homes within Toronto? What if you examine stepping out and saying, and I've had clients, for example, who have who started to look for homes in Toronto to buy, um, just last year actually, he didn't buy a condo in Toronto, that was too expensive. With that same amount, he could buy, a he said he wants to look for a detached home in Oshawa and he found out very quickly that his money wasn't going to get him anything in Oshawa and so he said you know what I'll get a, a townhouse condo which is I can talk about that later but it's, it's, it's a condo but it, it's a house so it's like a three bedroom house that is a condo All right. uh, nice. so he got that and now he got that for so last year got it for about $380,000 and now that exact same property is worth about $500,000, right? But if he had stopped and said, I can't afford it, it if that was Toronto, he'll, not be, he'll still be waiting. Right. But he said, I can't afford Toronto, but where else can I afford? Right. right? Rather than ask, you know, rather than say, I can't, he said, how can I? Right. And that shift, working with him was so great because we just looked for something in like, I think we went, I think we saw... Um, 38 houses and we had uh, seven offers you know and, and that's how he got um, the home that he had so that's just people saying I can't afford or sometimes you may not be able to afford but what if you get a new job right um, how long is the process on average by the way like uh, you know 38 houses sounds like a lot it, it, was, you know, a lot. it was a lot it was a lot and seven um, offers which is a whole process in itself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but you know man I don't take my own horn, man, but I care. So, <laughs> That's what I'm saying, man. I care, man. This guy was, this guy was, I think it was 29 or so. It was, you know, him and his, um, his girlfriend, they were looking for something. And and I saw that he was, I saw he had the fire in him, man. And he wanted to get this done within two months. Huh. So whenever we go and see houses, so the way it works is typically on a weekend. So we'll go see... Um, in the span of, we'll spend three hours looking at homes on Saturday and Sunday. I will see typically like six to five to seven homes. Typically, what we'll see. So, okay. you know, around four four weekends. You know, right. you know that's yeah. yeah you, you're already done, right? You sometimes we go during the week after work. Mm-hmm. We'll see five houses after work. So again, like it takes drops to build, you know, an ocean, right? So by just doing like four, four here, four there, three there. We've seen so much by him saying, I want to put one offer on this one here, one offer on that one there. Next thing you know, I, at the end of every engagement, 
I always track everything I do. So I tell that up and I was like, oh, wow, you sold this amount of houses. You gave this much offers. And here you got, you, you got this one's a lucky one. Um, I've had other clients who's taken them three homes. They were lucky, right? Wow. So it depends on the time of the, of the year as well. It depends right. on the market. Right now it's very hard. So if you're not very competitive, if you, or if you look for a house that is very competitive, then except you're bringing in like a large offer, you, you may not be the one. Right. Um, but there's, there's a, there's a right, if with the right, if, as long as you have, you've qualified to, to, to buy a house, there's something for you. Mm. Now the question is, do you like what is available for you? That's, that's a question. Mm. Okay. So that's a big one. So I think the, the big issue on that was basically not having enough uh, money. And I guess that would, you know, that ties into pay, that ties into a whole bunch of other things. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, what about like, uh, and this is probably not a fear, but I've, I've heard this from people that a few unexpected costs after you do even close. Yeah. Right? Like, uh, I don't know, is it the land transfer tax? And, you know, how, how does all that work? Yeah. So a good realtor, and when you work with your realtor and you work with your mortgage broker, they will let you know what you should have on the side. So mm. typically, now typically, if you're buying a house that's four hundred thousand dollars, you wanna have like, you know, like four grand or so to close to do your closing, right? Mm. Depends if you're a first time home buyer because you get some government benefits as well. It'll cover some of the closing costs. Mm. Um, depends on the house. If the house had some things that you had to fix. You may have to put in more, but if you have a good amount, like four to six k, or you know, ten percent of that of of you know what you're getting, right. um, you'll be you'll be fine. Okay. You'll you'll be fine. Like you, when you go, so so okay. So typically, the way it works is just to walk you through the process very quickly. You go look at the house. Say your max was four hundred k, and you had four thousand dollars to close to close. Right? It's because they'll cover your lawyer fees fees. They'll cover the land transfer fees, but then you notice that the roof, the roof needs to be fixed. Mm. The job of a good realtor will be to negotiate the price such that the roof amount is taken away from a house price right. or the lease price. So, right. um, you know, you will say the the the, the buyer really likes this house, and um, they want the the roof. Will cost about ten ten thousand dollars rather than four hundred thousand dollars. You're gonna sell it for three hundred ninety thousand dollars, kind of thing. Right. And so you save that amount of money. Right. Yeah. Okay. So um, so all those costs can easily be identified prior to. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. And as part probably you on early on in the negotiation process. Yeah. So again, too, it depends on. So as a realtor, to you know when to negotiate. So if I see the problem now, I'll put in my offer first, without that, yeah, without bringing yeah, it up. Right. But then there, there are things you have clauses within your contract. So there's a inspection clause. Mm. So when the inspection comes, now the buy, the seller is already happy to have their home, you know, sold right. for that price that they wanted or even more. And at that time, it's like, hey, Mr. Seller, we noticed that X Y Z is is deficient with your house. Right. You and know, that's following the inspection. That's following the inspection. Basically yeah. close or uh, So closing mm-hmm. is after you agree on all terms. Gotcha. So you're still under contract. So when you're under contract, the beautiful thing about that is it means n- the the seller can't accept any other offers at mm-hmm. that time. So that's a great window for you to begin to negotiate. Prior to that, the seller has all the power. Mm-hmm. During negotiation, I feel like the buyer has more power because the buyer can back out if you have suitable clauses, mm. like you know things like financing clauses, which says if the bank doesn't give me a loan, I'll back out. Um, inspection clause being that if I find something, you know, a deficiency in the property, and you don't agree to fix it or give me a discount or remedy it in some other way, I on my own choosing can decide to back out mm. without any financial consequences to me as a buyer. And so, um, once again, that's the, that's a good stage for you to negotiate and mm. some of those fears can be addressed at that time. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. That's, that's a great gem, I think. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I think 
you know, I think I get the idea now. You know, there shouldn't be that much to be afraid of. That's essentially what you're saying. Um, but obviously, like you know, like you said in the start there, so everybody's the situation is different. Yeah. So it really depends on that. So um, now I want to get into something else. Uh-huh. Um, sometimes you know, like you said, people can afford it, and it's about asking yourself, how can I versus you? Can. Yeah. And um, I'm just curious if there are any other strategies that um, or approaches that you can think of a mention, right? So because I'll mention some and let me know what you think, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the things I've heard a lot is like new constructions. Mm-hmm. Right? Um what are the pros and cons of that? If you can think of it. New constructions are also very interesting because what a new construction allows you to do is it allows you to pay your deposit in a like a structure, right? So it can it can work something like this. In the first 20 days, you have to pay $5,000. In the next, um, in next, you know, 60 days, you have to pay another $100,000, right? Each each builder has their own um, plan, plan, right? Some builders will even say, in the first year, you only have to pay 5%, and then six months before closing, you have to pay 10%, and on closing, you have to pay 5%, right? So it depends. Some builders have plans for first-time home buyers, right? Where it's only pay 5%, of the of the of the price, um, the only caveat with new construction is, is that you know be, to be honest, one is you don't see the property, so you sort of have to do some more homework and rely on the builders' um, repetition, repetition right. and right. their craftsmanship. And if you if you see any other building, so like go with that. Um, and you know there may be things like delays, but then that's that's back to their reputation. Yeah. Uh, but it offers you some sort of affordable way to get a new home without the chaos of um, a resale property where you're bidding and bidding and bidding new construction. Right. Yeah, new construction. Now in Toronto, you're still competing a little bit because it depends yeah. on new construction. Yeah. They only have, if, if I'm buying a new construction, that only has two houses that have three bedrooms, right? And 10 people want those houses. They'll give the first two people. Right. Or they'll give... The, f- the first people coming from a an exclusive brokerage, which I work for, right? So my brokerage is one of the VIP brokerages. And so they'll lean towards the VIP brokerages because VIP brokerages are bigger customers. Right. You know, so the, the VIP brokerages sell way more new constructions. And so the builders will tend to favor them. Mm. Again, remember, no one is offering more prices. The price on the on the sales sheet is what the price is. Right. So the builder gets to select who they'll offer it to. They can do it on a first come first serve basis, mm. uh, but you don't know. It's a blind process. So right. um, they'll they'll you, give you. They'll let you know. They'll let you know. So if, right. if you if it's a brokerage that that they've done business with in the in the past, they'll they'll they they may favor that brokerage. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah. That's that's a that's a good one. is a popular one. I hear people talk about this all the time, right? A lot of people in the city of Toronto cannot afford to buy homes here. Like yeah, that's yeah, true. Right? Um, but they want to continue living in the city. Yeah. So for those kind of people, they would either have to move out of town yeah. to basically take advantage of the purchase they've made, mm-hmm. which is them living in it. I guess that would be, for them, it would either be a first time or, you know, upsizing or whatever, mm-hmm. probably not upsizing. Probably just first time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or, they could, you know, purchase an investment property right out of town, wherever it is, and just essentially rent it out or Airbnb it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I guess those are the two options. Is there anything available to somebody who is in the city who wants to continue living in the city but can't afford to purchase a property here but hopes to get in the game sooner rather than later? I mean, the reality is fact is what fact it is, right? what it is. This is what it is if you can't afford it, you can't afford it now you can decide to partner with a friend i've seen some people who actually have done that who they said hey me and my friend um we both both of us together can qualify to buy a home but then you need some more protections against yourself right but an analogy i have is like 
I'll say like in football, right? Everybody wants to play for Manchester United. The bar no, is high. I, I, the, I disagree. You disagree, okay. A lot of people yeah. chat on the phone. Well, Ronaldo when he's like it, Exactly. Well, I know, I know. Or even like Barcelona. Or in basketball, right? Everyone plays for like Lakers, yeah, right? Was right. right. But then sometimes you may say, you know what? Let me first play in the G League. Right. Or let me play in a different, um, in, in a different league because either my skill level isn't there that that'll be your amount isn't there. Right. But you have to stay sharp. Right. Right. You have to know that as a plan. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with renting. Like honestly, I'm I, I look for I help people look for rent rental properties as well. Right. For them to rent. So there's nothing really wrong with it. But if you're someone who has desire to um like to be a, a landlord or a homeowner, then you really have to look at the mirror and say, you know, where am I? And be honest with yourself. Right. You know, if you don't have, if you don't have 150k saved up, I only buy a house in the city of Toronto. Then you won't live in like Liberty Village or live in like Rosedale. Forget about it. It's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. Right. Now, if you want to live in some parts of some some parts of Toronto, some you maybe you get a condo there, but you may not like the neighborhood itself. Right. But that's something that. You know yourself and say, right. or you can only afford a bachelor. You can have a bachelor, yeah. You know yourself, okay, cool. I'm paying for the Charlotte Bobcats, right? <laughs> like, as soon as you know, man, <laughs> as long as you know that, like, oh, man. like, like, I'm not going to be the best, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not in one of the crown jewels, mm-hmm. but. Remember, we can laugh at the Charlotte Bobcats, right. but then the NBA, right, right, or the Hornets are called around. Not yes. bad. Yeah, the Hornets. Yeah, then then the NBA, right? Your skill. So so with this too, real estate too. Like you gotta remember to like you you're a homeowner, and so you're still gonna enjoy from when house prices increase. They don't only increase in in like this place, like in the in this um postal code. Right, it's impacting several postcodes and yours is most likely going to be one of them right so even if you stay there for like three years then decide to sell it and then you can move up to a more desirable location that can be another strategy or it can just be hey look man I've had clients honestly who have said I can't afford Toronto what I want is to have a house that has a, that has a backyard then go for the work from home situation right, right now I can live in Paris Ontario right I can live in um, like different Parts of, of, of Ontario, right? And right. go all the way to the Kingston and beyond, right. and and I'll find something there that meets my need, and I can mm-hmm. get more um, bang for my buck. So right. that's also another option. So it's not permanent. It's you can take a long term game where it's yeah, it might be uncomfortable yeah, and inconvenient for a couple of years. Yeah, you're in the game. Yeah, I've not played um, what before, and you know, sometimes yeah. I play what, and someone keeps giving a pick to pick to like. <laughs> I like a card of feeling like, oh man, I suck, man. I'm gonna lose, but then you end up winning right. because you sort of like organize yourself. You have a plan to win. You right. know how the, this thing is. I don't want to dumb it down. Say it's a game, mm-hmm. but it really, you really have to stick with your strategy. and Understand where you are mm-hmm. because you know. For me, I'm so lucky because of my parents and my mom, and so I was able to get a house with my brother. And honestly, it wasn't anything fancy. It's a but, nice thank you, but because of that. Because of that property, it's enabled us to do more things. Mm-hmm. And at the time, we thought, you know, it wasn't exactly what we wanted. Right. But, you know, I've learned to really like it. I've learned to appreciate it as an asset. And that's why I can speak to saying, hey, don't just look at what it is now. Look at what you potentially can get from having this asset. Mm. Yeah. Beautifully said. Um, you know, this... This has been this has been great, right? Like I think you've really gone into the nuances. I was hoping to achieve that. It's always tricky, right? Getting to those things because everybody's talked about you know real estate. Like you can go Google or blog or whatever and get some information. But I think the conversation that we're having has allowed us to get into some you know tight corners that people don't typically get into until they've actually gone through the process. So yeah. I'm hoping that. Um, this this has been super helpful, and I would love to hear what people think, and if they want to hear more of this, if want to hear more of a sweet, you know, mm. advice. Um, but I'm curious, what books? Like I know you're, you're some like you read up on these things. Yeah. So do you do you have any books that come into mind or podcasts that um you know that you could recommend to those who are listening right now or and or maybe looking to purchase in the near future? For sure, I think the one thing I'll say though is that like 
And everyone says knowledge is power, knowledge is power, knowledge is power. Right. And the more you learn, the more you know. But really, I think acting, acting is power. Like yeah. taking action is power. So like, if I ask most people, you know, how do you get a six pack? You know, they know how to get it. Most people want may want to have a six pack. Right. But most people don't have it. Right. But knowledge is pretty simple. I'll go on Google, you'll right. you'll see a lot of stuff. You don't need to do at this point. At this point, yeah. <laughs> Workouts. Eat right. And eat right. Exactly. Like two simple things. Right. It's the same thing to with um what we're talking about here, right? right? Like it's pretty simple. But if you're someone that struggles because of the fear, because whatever it is, there I think is less of a um of a financial, um, like I said, perceived barrier than it is mental. Mm. You have to understand mentally um, why you're doing what you're doing and understand sort of like societal um, things, like societal um, if pressures that are, right. that are either affecting negatively or sort of like pushing you, right? So one book that I know helped me see things differently big time was um, Rich Dad Poor Dad mm. by Robert Kiyosaki. Right. Like that book just broke it down for me and I was like, man, it, it broke down assets versus liabilities versus, mm. and it makes you see, it made me see things clearer. Um, one podcast that I really loved has been Bigger Pockets. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bigger Pockets and this two guys they talk about um, just real estate typically they focus on investing right but even the podcast itself is more of a mindset podcast mm-hmm. like changing your mindset because you, it's definitely a lot of people, um, people saying how I could yeah how, like I, how could. I figured it out yeah I mean trip, or like you, whatever you have, they figured out yeah it's yeah. based in the states where there's more opportunities but right. but you have people who have bought properties with no money down they've had zero wow and you know, either they would. And honestly, I've had a friend here in, in in Toronto. He lived in Hamilton, and he bought a bunch of properties with no money. You know, he came with experience and he came with knowledge. He found an investor who wanted to buy a house, and he said to the investor, "Look, I know you have money. I'll help you look for a house, and I'll take ten percent of the equity growth in the house." or whatever they negotiated. Uh-huh. And so some investors are happy to do that because wow. they have that money sitting down there and they go, okay, cool, you run with it. Uh-huh. You know, no, like wow. nobody wants money sitting down just because at the end of the day, if you have money in your bank account, losing. you're getting 0.05% yeah. in your savings account, which is... It's nothing. It's nothing. And it's nothing. It's nothing. So, so if you can come with that value, and he learned how to do it, you know, I'll be honest with you, it's not something that I've learned how to do. And I'm like, how do you even approach somebody and talk to them? And convince them that it's like, it's like going and holler at a pretty girl without having any game plan, right? Like right. He, having exactly, right? <laughs> and so he had a game plan and he's done it. He's, he showed examples and now he's doing very well. I and mean, then he has like a build right now, he's building a 17, 17 house, con, 17. Um, so he met the builders. So he met people who invest in the builders. He met like, so he'll find a house that's like, that he'll think, man, this is, he'll do numbers. Numbers are not that hard. And he says things like, oh my goodness, this house can bring 7% year-over-year income. And so go to an investor and say, hey, do you want to earn 7% on your investment with the potential of it growing with equity? And this says, yeah, tell me more. And then they'll say, look, let's buy this house together. I'll manage your property. A lot of investors don't want tenants. They, they don't, they don't they want, want to deal with, deal with tenants. Say, I'll deal with your tenants. And sometimes, so he'll even guarantee them, he'll pay them. Depend, the higher the risk, the more percentage that he'll take right so it's like look just give me money i'll mind your tenants you don't have to do anything every month you get your seven percent um increase you get a rent which which is your seven percent right and if there's any once you sell the house because you have of course you zero stress i'll keep 40 percent of the gain Hmm. just again and it's like cool I mean, you're getting money from the cash flow. So, yeah, so he did that. And he's kind of earning that, right? Like, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's just counting on the on the equity growth. And so once the once some houses begin, begin to... So after like five years, I think the agreement was, if the if the um, market is good, they'll, they'll refinance, pull out the investor's money, 
and then he'll split. They'll he'll take a split at that point. So that's what he did, and wow. he was able to. It's brilliant, man. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. You know, I think that's it. I mean, so before you leave, I like to get, or for the guests, these I like to get your final take. And the idea of this, like, you know, we've talked a range of things already, but um, the idea is what do you want people to leave with? Um, you know, outside of reaching you at, you know, teamoma.gmail.com or visiting the teamoma.co website, you know, gotta plug that. But um, what do you want people to leave with this? Like, leave from this conversation. What do you want them to take away? Um, I think one is just have to act. So if you want to do it, first things first, just go to a mortgage broker. Doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be the perfect mortgage broker. Go to one and just ask, what do you qualify for? It costs nothing, right? So at that point, at least you know, you know if what you're thinking about is warranted or not warranted. You know, maybe you qualify for $500,000. At least you know. And then when you're, when you do your numbers, when, when you sort of like imagine, you know what to, what your, what your financial flexibility is. Um, and then even speaking with just how to reach me too, um, I don't know if you have show notes, but you can put that. As, yeah, I'll put that in the show. Yeah, like you can reach me directly on my Instagram, um, it's underscore O-S-U-Y-I. Um, the yeah, you can just say yeah, if you add me there, that'll be that'll be the quickest way that I'll respond. I'll yeah, I'll put my number, but you know, I don't know what's gonna happen there. So you know, I just well, yeah, we'll give you the website and you can find. Yeah, you know, we'll give you the website, we'll give you the Gmail. Yeah, you and you can Instagram. all that. You yes. can figure it out from there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, if you can't figure out to reach me, man, you don't know. Gonna, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, and that's like then I definitely you're not gonna go look for for a mortgage broker because you have to do a bit of Google search for that. But um, oh yeah, but yeah, but 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 I think I think the utmost thing is. Everybody says, I can't afford the house, but they've never found out how much you can afford. So until you do that and say, hey, look, man, what is my range? Once you do that, at least you know, and then you can you can go and go to the CA and begin to see houses that meet that range and see if it's something that you like or something you don't like. Or the mortgage broker may say, you don't even qualify at all. Mm-hmm. And then you say, yep, that's true. But there's you don't get any dings, you get nothing. Like it's just, it's free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well said, man. Um, thank you so much for taking the time. This has been great. This was a lot of fun. Um, I'm very informative for me, so I'm sure it'll be for the listeners as well. Yeah. Thanks, man. No, man. I appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. So, yeah. I mean, you guys go out there and uh, go find more you work man. That's all I'm going to say right now. But <laughs> so, thank you so much. <laughs> act. Yeah. Act. Act is it. Mindset and act. But, yeah, thanks Thanks for um, for hosting me. And, and, again, I know I'm not the smartest person in the world, but... I think it's the things I've learned over the last, you know, four or five years in terms of just the realistic game that right. I think it's, it's an amazing thing and I'm, I'm definitely hoping that other people can can share my enthusiasm and, and yeah. research more about it. Yeah, I think the passion definitely comes through and uh, obviously I trust you, so I'm being, you know, I'm inviting you here. Yeah. Um, I think anybody that's listening understands like, you know, how much you care as well. And I think you know, you're the kind of person that these people should be approaching. So, yeah. um, hey, the info is going to be in the show notes. Reach out to him and uh, thank you for listening. Honestly, pursuit barriers are the problem. It definitely was initially for me. There are a lot of hidden incentives that really favor real estate as an investment right now. Some of the sweet tips on how to identify a key player that works for you really hit home for me. Sometimes you feel like you're being judged for not knowing, but sometimes it's just really a communication issue between you and the agent. So an attentive and patient real estate agent is ideal. And that part about considering an independent or paid mortgage broker was really interesting for me. I didn't really realize I had that option. Either way, it's never too late, and the second best time to buy is now. You can reach out to Asui for more information at teamomar at gmail.com or by visiting their website at teamomar.ca. For more questions, you can find more of his contact info in the show notes. Don't forget to support the show so you keep getting quality content. Give me five stars across the board. I feel like I deserve it. Leave a like on your streaming platform of choice if that's what the option provides. And of course, 
subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if there's a relevant platform that I'm missing, feel free to write me at two takes and a pod at gmail.com. That's two takes and a pod at gmail.com. It's probably easier to follow me at two takes and a pod on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. Leave me a DM. I'm looking forward to hearing your takes. This has been Two Takes on the Pod, and I want to thank you for listening and subscribing. If you haven't, stop playing with me. Peace, y'all. You only fight for your pockets. For your pockets. October 2020, 20, something happened with the government. That is say we forget for where. Mm, for Zumba, by the way.